again everybody. Welcome to Mrs Techie's Technology Classroom. Um, today I'm going to talk to you about a recent experience I had in Canberra um, called the STEM X Academy. Um, this was a really amazing experience. Uh, I was really lucky to attend this particular um, professional development. Um, it, it's something that happens each year. Well, this was the fourth year that it's run and it's uh, joining together of teachers from all over Australia to talk about the challenges facing us in STEM education, to talk about the future of STEM education and to have a really good look at some of the science and tech and engineering and maths that are going on around our country right around us. So STEMX Academy is something that's run by ASTA, the Australian Science Teachers Association, um, in conjunction with CSIRO and Questacon, with a whole range of other um, private sponsors and a lot of um, science and technology and mathematician um, uh, people from those industries uh, supporting it by supporting the teachers involved in the program. Uh, the program has been started, I believe, to try and get teachers enthused and excited about teaching STEM subjects so that that enthusiasm can spread to students because they're looking at um, shortages of students with those types of skills in the future. Um, science, tech and maths are not being taken up by high school students in, at the same rate that they were once um, subscribed to. So this is a bit of an attempt to make um, our education practices more inclusive, more exciting, and to get kids to keep their bums in their seats and uh, head off to university to further, you know, work through these challenges. Um, so the application process, if anyone out there is interested in applying for next year for the 2020 STEMX Academy, was pretty simple. I'm not really sure how I found the initial application. It just, I, it was on the tail end of a newsletter somewhere and I clicked through and thought, hmm, this, this looks interesting. Did a bit of research to check that it was all hunky-dory, not just a group trying to take my money. And then at the 11th hour, I applied one night. I just sort of rattled off um, some details about my experience, uh, what I'd been teaching, what I was interested in learning. And they also wanted to know what we would do with the information if we were successful in being accepted to the program. Um, the program was paid for um, by the aforementioned um, groups. We did have to pay a contribution, which um, covered some of our expenses, but by no means all of them. Um, it was around $500 that we paid, but for that we had our flights. And I mean, I'm flying from a regional centre, so that wouldn't even have covered my flights, I don't think. So we were flown direct to Canberra. We were put up for a week in um, student university accommodation, which was fine. Um, always wanted to live on res at uni, could never afford it before. So a little bit of one of my dreams coming true, I suppose. Um, so yeah, so our flights, our accommodation, our food and our transportation as we went around um, the week and also, you know, lots of other odds and ends. We, we received a really great swag bag with um, lots of little treats and presents and we also received teaching resources, books and all of those sorts of things. So pretty good investment. And for those teachers who couldn't find the contribution, you're able to apply for um, support in that way and get a scholarship so that it would be totally free. And there were a number of people 
at the academy there that had um, taken them up on that offer. So absolutely, it's accessible to everybody. Um, in the group that I was in, 35 primary teachers, 35 high school teachers, uh, they were selected from a list of hundreds of teachers. So it was pretty exciting to have been selected. And they were from as far away as Christmas Island, um, Tasmania, up in the Territory, right up the top of Queensland and everywhere in between. So, you know, um, it was just fantastic to be sitting in a group and discussing the challenges of curriculum and content and engagement and all of those sorts of things with people from basically every corner of Australia. Um, it, it was just wonderful to hear that Things are very different in the different states, but in lots of ways, things are very much the same the country over. And um, it was particularly exciting because, you know, usually with a group of teachers, everyone will have their their KLA that they're interested in, you know, people interested in humanities or English. But this was purely a group of people interested in science and tech, engineering and maths. So we all found that we had very similar outlooks on, on what kids needed to be able to go forward and do these jobs of the future. Um, through the week, we had a very, very busy schedule. Uh, with the time difference to Queensland, I found myself getting up at five in the morning, which uh, I'm sure my husband would attest to is, is pretty um, big for me. I'm, I'm not an early riser. Um, we would get up, go down um, to the, the other hall of residence and have breakfast we'd be on the bus um, to go somewhere. So some of the activities we did on the on the first day, we so on the Sunday when we arrived in the afternoon, we had Questacon come and meet us and do some icebreaker activities with us. And I'll talk a little bit more about some of the activities that you could implement from them in your classroom shortly. Uh, we had a pizza dinner. Uh, then on the Monday, we got up and uh, primary teachers went across to CSIRO and we were welcomed to the program and then we were sent off to look at some of the mega trend issues that would be rising in the future. They wanted our ideas uh, to, um, and they also wanted us to go through a process of inquiry that we could later then lead our students through that same process. So very big on that inquiry-based learning on teaching your learners to do their own research and working together and those sorts of things. So we did a whole range of activities at CSIRO on the Monday, um, including future scenarios. Uh, we also got to have a little bit of a look around the facility there and have a look at a type of excursion that you might do with students there. Um, and then in the evening, we went across to Questacon and we got to have a really good look around um, the exhibits there. So that was that was really very cool. Um, we, ha we got to have a, a lovely dinner there and um, shop in the shop, which, you know, teachers love to spend their money on science and tech gadgets. Seriously, we do. We really, really do. <laughs> we all spend way too much money on that sort of stuff under the guise of, oh, we'll write it off on our tax. Uh, the next day we got to um, meet someone special and that was um, Brad Tucker who was um, a scientist, a, a doctor actually, Dr Brad Tucker and um, he introduced us to this idea that we could have some real world type experimentation in our classrooms even with primary and we looked at how we could send a balloon with an experiment on board up into the atmosphere up to a point where the conditions actually mimicked those on Mars. And he talked about how we could 
uh, work with our students to think about what life might be like on Mars, the challenges and things that were going to happen there, because let's face it, this is what humanity is really interested in at the moment, is putting people on Mars and looking at how they could survive and thrive up there. So in designing some experiments that could be sent up into the atmosphere to about um, the area where conditions are the same as Mars in terms of radiation, uh, pressure, um, gravity, all those sorts of things, um, we could then get some real world thinking that may you know, the kids may carry that thinking through their education and maybe into the scientific world where they might innovate some things in business, in science, in private enterprise, in education, wherever. So we're sort of planting the seeds so that these kids in front of us today might be able to solve the problems of tomorrow. So it's a really interesting idea that we could sow those seeds right now for problems we're already anticipating. Um, we did a lot of um, thinking about thinking um, and later on that Tuesday, we went through to um, Questacon and we did this process called protostorming, which was really interesting. We know that in science and tech, we've, um, and actually even in Haas, we are asking students to look at the properties of materials. And I don't know about anyone else, but um, sometimes the lessons that we have um, in Queensland are, are that are sent to us are, are quite dry when we're talking about the properties of materials. I mean, no kid really wants to sit and look at a slideshow. And in the past, we've had some, you know, fiesta type activities in my classroom where we've looked at the properties of materials um, and we've perhaps done some mini experiments with them. Um, uh, things like, you know, eyes or, or tomatoes going rotten or bread or uh, types of containers that could contain food, you know, those all sorts of gross, yucky things that really drag kids in. But this was even more simple and less messy. Uh, they actually threw a whole bunch of familiar objects out in front of us. So there was a little pile of paper clips, a pile of marbles, a pile of, you know, uh, paddle pop sticks, etc., etc. And then we had one minute to go around to each of those little piles and write down the properties of the materials that were there. So, for example, with a paper clip, you might write metallic, smooth, hard, bendable, um, you know, um, shiny, uh, meltable, all of those properties of those materials. And so we did that for each of the different things and thought about the different ways in which those materials could be manipulated. Then we got back together and we were given some uh, post-it notes. They're very big on post-it notes at Questacon. So many post-it notes of all different colours. So we are given some post-it notes. We went around to each of the um, little piles and we could see everybody else's, like there was one giant list that we'd all added to with the properties of materials. And then looking at that list, we could actually decide what those particular materials could be made into. So for example, if we looked at the plastic cups, when I went back around to the plastic cups, um, once everyone had written down their ideas about what they could be made into, there were things like, you know, bras, binoculars, uh, watering system, uh, teapot, um, you know, warm drink holder, um, and, and all sorts of weird and wacky things as well, like, you know, megaphone and things like that. So there were post-it notes with one idea written on each and, and drawings given as well to show how those things could be manipulated into new ways. And then we were given about, I don't know, probably just only six minutes or so, uh, maybe it was 10, I'm not sure. We were asked then to go around and either come up with our own new ideas or select someone else's um, 
post-it note and actually use the materials in front of us along with a couple of boxes of odds and bods and some uh, masking tape um, uh, and string and we were asked to then go off and create these prototypes of these inventions. Now, um, obviously, very limited time. The big thing they told us was prototypes don't have to be finished. They don't have to be exact. They're prototypes. They don't even have to work. And so in giving us that instruction, it was really freeing to be able to go and make something really quickly. Um, and especially because if you couldn't think of anything, you just go and pick up a post-it note and make that thing. It really got everybody inventing and innovating straight up um, and then as we made a thing we went and put it on a shared table and then we went back and made another thing until the time was up so over the you know whatever it was 10 minutes eight minutes whatever there were literally hundreds of things made by these 35 teachers um, why would we do this okay so I guess for me and maybe for you too the big thing I'm finding with kids making and innovating and creating is that they have no idea how to join things together. They're so used to getting a kit where everything snaps together, it's all pre-cut, blah, 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 that they really struggled with this activity. Um, so this is a really good way for kids to get used to just joining things quickly, looking for a safe and quick solution to their problems. Um, and just thinking outside of the box. So that little bit of lateral thinking, uh, working together, looking at the properties and materials, having a bit of fun too, and being engaged. Um, why only masking tape and not hot glue guns and things? Well, one, we want quick. We don't want kids burning themselves. It's, it's safe. It's easy. But two, the idea was that at this table of what looked like, you know, junk at the end of the time, honestly, it, it did, but it was all meaningful junk to the people who'd made it. Um, it was able to be taken apart. I, I really do not envy the person who took all of those part things apart and redistributed the parts into the correct boxes, but somebody somewhere did that. And there was evidence of that on the materials as we use them you know lots of things had already been bent or shaped or bits of tape still stuck to them so it meant that you were really preserving your resources um, while still having this really um, full-on predestorming activity now predestorming could be done this way with looking at the properties of materials or it could be done with quick draws you know okay guys we're all going to predestorm an activity for solving um, the fact that uh, rain clouds um, often go over the ocean and rain where water is not needed we want them to stay inside over our lovely green pasture, uh, over our dry pastures to water them etc and so we actually followed on with an activity like this later in the week where we all just sort of came up up with these weird and wacky and wonderful ideas um, and the, the, the rain cloud one was one that our group actually worked on and we um, ended up all sorts of weird and wonderful ideas about shepherding the clouds and hydrophobic um, uh, drones and all sorts of wild and wacky ideas. Um, you might think well it's a bit of a waste of time but to be honest looking at where science has come from and gone Almost every great idea probably started out with someone saying, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could just type a message in a device on your hand and it could instantly turn up on someone else's device on their hand? Finally, someone said, well, that's ridiculous. Uh, who would want to do that? Why would we want to um, send a few characters from one place to another? What's wrong with what we've got now? But, you know, when you think about it, that's something that didn't exist 15 years ago and now almost every you know, person in Australia has access to that technology and finds it very useful for a range of reasons like communication, um, um, uh, scheduling and, and just, you know, 
entertainment. So, um, you know, having these wild and wacky ideas out there, that's all, that's fine. I mean, we can all think of the sensible, boring ones. The weird and wacky is what's going to propel the human race forward, really. So that's protostorming. That's what we did. Um, hopefully you might find a use for that in your classroom. I know I'm really excited to bring that to my room, knowing that it could take as little as 15 minutes and you could have um, some real engagement and some real exploration about properties of materials and it would be fun. Um, so, yeah, basically we did those sorts of things at Questicon. We also looked at making makeys, which I will make a whole episode about. Um, I, I have used them quite a bit before, so I didn't learn anything particularly new. But in looking back over people's photo albums from the STEMX Academy over this week, I saw some pretty interesting applications of the technology, which I'm really looking forward to um, following through. So linking those making makeys with Scratch, I thought about ways that could happen we've actually done very basic ways of that but they were actually using them to make interactive maps and things like that which could be a real game changer in geography or if you're looking at a bit of biology and looking at different animals and their um i was thinking of year five animals and um their diverse um um features making a, a bit of a um, map up of an animal and having places that you could touch and up on a screen it could come up with some information about those different features of animals so that was pretty interesting so Tuesday night we were all pretty tired brain dead um we got some free time after five (laughs) o'clock so we worked hard all day and then five o'clock came quickly grabbed a pizza and I just went to sleep I know a lot of people went out drinking Uh, I just my brain was I was bamboozled just I just couldn't take any more in watched some rubbishy television and just fell into bed and uh, went to sleep very early. Um, so Wednesday was a similar day where we looked um, at some ways of working. So on Wednesday, we actually looked at a CSIRO scientist. We looked at um, Valerie Karen, Dr. Valerie Karen, and she is um, working with dung beetles. That's her world, dung beetles and poo. Um, but her science is actually going to impact our waterways and our safe water quality in Australia. So she's been looking at, you know, the introduction of um, agricultural animals like sheep and cows and things like that. They poo, the rainwater washes their poo into rivers and we have issues with some pollution down the track um, and with, you know, um, food chains and things like that. So she's actually looking at the um, biosecurity, looking to bring in um, Moroccan dung beetles. We got to meet some of them. They're very tiny and there are lots and lots of safeguards around her work to make sure that she's not importing a pest a la the cane toad. We all know how that one turned out. So there's lots and lots of research going on at the moment. We're really lucky to be able to look at that, ask questions, and um, hopefully she gets the right answer so that she can release her beetles out into um, paddocks and pastures and that we can resolve some of those problems. The other issue is I didn't know, cows do not like the taste of grass where their poo has been. I kind of understand that, but I didn't understand that cows could tell the difference. So that's why sometimes pastures are rested in between. Obviously, there's other um, issues as well with root growth and stuff for the grass. But, um, you know, that's a really interesting idea that um, cows can sense where they've pooed and won't want to eat there. So this might, um, dung beetles might be able to actually um, resolve some of those issues for the cows so that they can stay in a pasture for longer and we need less area for grazing which is pretty awesome um i also asked a question um about whether this would reduce greenhouse 
emissions. Um, we know that methane from cows is quite a problem with the ozone layer and uh, whether taking the poo underground, because that's what the dung beetles do, would reduce those um, gases getting into our atmosphere. And Valerie wasn't sure, but she said she would find out and, and let me know. So it's pretty awesome to have some scientists now at the end of an email address who will know us and, and be able to answer those questions should kids have them. So that was that was really promising too. And there's a whole range of scientists that worked with our group who are willing to to help share that information. For example, you know, the, the space balloon thing. Um, if you're at a place that cannot support space balloon um, uh, launch, which we're not, we're on the coast and they would end up over the ocean with all sorts of problems with balloons and blah, blah, blah. Um, we can actually tap into that network and get other people to do our experiments for us and send their results back. So that's kind of a really engaging way to get kids interested in science as well. We also then went to ANU Engineering and worked with the faculty there. I worked with a prosthetics um, person. They took us through some activities I do with um, entry-level engineers, talked with us about engineers without borders and all sorts of ways to get kids involved in engineering. A lot more of that sort of um, designing um, with um, materials that we found around, just getting prototypes together. Oh, I forgot too. At Questicon, we made a big Rube Goldberg machine. Awesome. Have done smaller versions of it at school, um, but I'm really keen to get this Rube Goldberg thing happening again in a different way. 35 people all with their own entry and exit for each group and, and getting that happening just with odds and bods of stuff left around in one hour. It was it was awesome. So fun. Didn't realise it could be done so quickly. So that was another thing that happened. Um, we then we had a bit of time going up and looking at Mount Stromlo at the um, telescopes, listening to some really, really interesting talks from Dr. Brad Tucker. Kind of made it a bit hard to sleep afterwards thinking about all of the possibilities out there in space for mining, for, um, you know, the space race is about to reignite, I think, in terms of um, the technology that's being experimented with out there, especially with uh, Chinese um, uh, space program having landed on the dark side of the moon and investigating what sort of resources might be there that might make space flight a little bit easier in the future. So fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Um, we had um, also, we went um, to a few places, like they took us to the Mint for half an hour to have a look around and encourage us to come up with some inquiry questions. A again, as a sort of a bit of an activity that um, students might then be able to do under our tutelage. So we walked around and we had to come up with some sort of question we could investigate. So mine was, I'd looked through the Mint and three times throughout history, they showed square coins. Um, obviously, coins are pretty much round. If they're not round, they're, um, you know, they're close to round um, and, you know, thinking about why square coins weren't taken up, particularly back in the olden days where people used to cut coins to give change. Can you imagine that? Cutting a coin to give change. Here's half of a 20 cent piece back. That's your 10 cents. Hmm. So um, looking at, you know, why are they round? And then thinking about what impact would that have on the community at large? Would pockets need to be designed differently because wouldn't the corner part, you know, make more holes in your clothes and um would it be easier to make coins less wastage 
punch because you're you know punching you're cutting instead of punching coins uh how would it use more material though because they're wider would they be easier to bend blah 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 blah. coming up with this whole idea about why not square coins um and each person around the players came up with something different someone had actually looked at the um the cafe in the mint and said oh there's a cookie there we could investigate that cookie you know how many um smarties are on each one what sort of you know measurement and things would you need to do to ensure this cookie had the the best crunch and blah 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 blah. so we came up with some sort of inquiries about things that we'd observed there we also spent some time working on our own group project because on Friday we actually had to do like a little bit of a science fair where we showed what we'd learned for the week. It was a little bit scary. Some groups stayed up all night working on these amazing presentations. Our group was a little tired. We were a bit tired. We just did what we could do. We came up with some good stuff. We delegated a little bit so each of us took a different area and we ended up with something we were really proud of. Um, we had posters, we had little video presentations, we had made some um, resources for teachers to give to other teachers who hadn't been in the STEMX workshop so that they could get something started in their classroom, lists of websites and things like that. So we sort of went for a more practical, here's something you could take and start with tomorrow approach. Whereas other people went way out there and looked at, you know, um, how they would tackle the problem of space junk or um, how they would would um you know um take the makey makey and work it into this giant big um school-wide project and things like that so there were there was a huge range of different ideas um there were some that just tried to convince us about a particular issue and teach us about an issue just a, a huge huge range it was really great to see what people had done in the little fits and spurts of time in between all of those activities over the week um so we had a, a celebratory lunch um, and we reflected about what we'd done. Um, we also, you know, we had the opportunity to listen to some amazing, amazing speakers. Um, I was really, really happy to listen to um, the, the, I think he was the founder of EOS. Um, uh, he works with great big, uh, his name was Ben Green, works with great big lasers um, and looking at developing that technology. It's already been developed in crazy amount he can um locate a coffee cup in space with a laser that sort of stuff and working on um reducing the amount of collisions in space to reduce the amount of um, space junk that's happening already and now he's working on uh, making a laser that could push things out of the way of other satellites in orbit um so you know the technology is just leaping from uh, one level to another of intricacy and and expertise it's just phenomenal um and the the most powerful thing he said to us was thank you i i just i cried (laughs) he said you know you educators out there thank you teachers are what brought all of us scientists here to our positions we thank you for continuing to do that for our students and that was just a beautiful message to think that you know we go in and sometimes a little bit like groundhog day but every every class in front of us we feel it we see it that possibility that's simmering right in front of us there of what could be done with those little brains that are doing all that thinking and that idea that you know what's 
we see in our classroom is important, but the most important thing that's happening in our classroom is a thinking going on inside people's heads. You know, that that really is what we're working with um, and how we can make our world a bit of a better place in the future. You know, um, that idea that ethics are really important, that we need to teach kids not only how to do things, but whether or not they should and how they could go around um their lives and their innovations by thinking about people first you know we're thinking about people and our planet and our environment and all of those things that make us human along with what could be done because I think there are lots of things happening in the world right now that you know people are unsure about uneasy afraid of maybe some things that shouldn't be done we all know there's scientists in history who've done some pretty terrible terrible things that have not advanced us as a, as a human race so you know just that idea that that we what we do matters that um, what we say matters, that how we encourage matters, just that we matter. It was just a really invigorating, powerful week to spend away. Um, I'm not going to say it wasn't confronting. We worked with different groups all the time. Some groups were easier to work with than others. Um, I miss I miss my home. I miss my family. I miss my dog. You know, it was a long week and I was exhausted and my brain was um, very, very full every night going to sleep. And sometimes I found it hard to sleep with so many thoughts racing around. But coming home and reflecting on what happened that week, everything was totally worth it just to feel so just rejuvenated about teaching I just I'm itching to get back in the classroom and get some of these things happening so that we can continue to produce world-class scientists and innovators in Australia you know we've we've have a history of fantastic innovation and I'm just so excited to see what this generation will take us through you know according to those experts huge jumps in technology are only two or three years around the corner so you know be ready people it's um it, it's just a really exciting time to be alive, I suppose. Anyway, I've rabbited on for long enough. I hope you sort of understood a little bit about my rambling about the week away. I hope some of you out there might um, consider applying for STEMX in the future. Totally worth it. Um, and just to be part of that community now where we've got a Facebook page for people who've been on the program so that we can share resources across um, places. And I'm really so excited to bring some of that to my little corner of regional Queensland and to get some things happening here because, you know, we, we need to face the future, go forward and be confident that um, we can make a positive influence in children's lives. So... Thanks for listening. Um, I did promise I would talk about 3D printing and I will. And that will be the very next podcast. Thank you. Oh, I almost forgot. Um, if you want more information, if you want to keep up to date with some of the opportunities coming out as a result of STEMX, please check out the STEMX page on Facebook or my page, Mrs. Techies Technology Classroom. Um, stay tuned. I hope to share lots of things there that might be of interest and use to you and your students. Thank you.